0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. We're shifting our focus to the bottom 10 sides of the AFL ladder. We're going to start off with the Adelaide Crows in 18th, But before we do that, Jake, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much,
1: Matt. It was a uh, bit of an exciting weekend last weekend. There was lots of uh, games up for grabs, lots of teams looking for positions. and My team looking for a top four position, which was a bit shaky. And obviously, your boy's looking for that uh, eighth position there as well. So we'll get yeah we'll into more
0: about that in in a bit of time. And uh, huge congratulations to the AFL for actually setting up a a, a schedule or a fixed where every every position still mattered right up until the very last game.
1: Yeah, it actually turned out to be really, really good. They had the St Kilda and the Giants game on the Friday and then followed by the Ds and the Bombers in that middle middle bit. And if the Ds lost, then they're obviously out, but they won. And then the Doggies played on the on the Sunday night. So that's even, it's like stringing it um, right out. So it was really, really good to see. And then there was still a uh, top four spot, top, top of the ladder spot up for grabs in the last game. So there was lots to watch on the weekend, which was really good.
0: Yeah, but as I said, we will be starting off with the Adelaide Crows in 18th. So so the way we're going to do about it is the first thing we're going to say is give us a quick letter grade of A, B, C, D or F on how you rate their season. And, and then we're just going to discuss the team in some detail and maybe talk about what they could add in the off season. So, Jake... I expected Adelaide to actually finish 18th. And I think the the way that they finished the year, I'm actually going to give them a B. You might think that that is a little bit of a too high letter grade, but I actually was genuinely impressed with their last five games. And yeah, probably got them from a D to a B, but we, we know that they've lost a lot of talent over the last couple of years. We knew they were going to be down the bottom. And they showed a bit of promise of late, so that's why I'm giving them a B. Yeah, you're not wrong.
1: this certainly the last three, four games of their season were, were, weren't anything to sneeze at. They were they were very, very good in those those last few games, and and showed 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 something towards the end of the year. Obviously, hadn't had much luck before that, but I think everyone could see that could see that happening. Everyone had Adelaide in that 18th position, as you said from the very start of the year. I don't think anyone thought they'd be 0 and 13, but everyone had them down there. And they almost they almost snuck off the bottom there at the, in the last round, if they could get that win, but they they just fell a bit short, but I'm sure they'll have a lot of confidence after those three late wins. Now, in terms of a grade for them for, for this year, uh, finished, they finished in 10th position last year, Everyone was. Everyone suspected them to finish 18th. I don't know how high I can go with a grade, but I'll I'll give them a C minus. I'm pretty I'm pretty harsh. I'm pretty harsh in terms of it was good to get those three three wins at the end of the year, which is why they're a C minus. But they certainly uh, worked them worked their way worked their way up from an F that I had them after. <laughs> and 13. You'd expect a team to have at
0: least yeah. a win on the board after 10 rounds. Yeah, and um, just following on that, what do you think uh, Adelaide need to add this trade period and draft time? Obviously, they're going to have the number one pick and a huge array of good draft picks. But what do you think is the uh, best way forward? Is there a particular player you could see them sort of going after?
1: I don't know if they're going to go after too many high-profile players. I think you'll see with a lot of delistings over a few teams after, obviously, the whole season finishes and all the finals teams are done, you'll see a lot of delistings and you might see a few delisted free agents go over to Adelaide. I think they're not going to... I don't think they're going to go too crazy. I think they're going to use their picks wisely and they're going to grab a, a couple of young, good young players. They've got a, a very young squad... Well, partially a young squad... Now, there's a lot of young kids in that forward line. Like, you got McAdam, you got Himmelberg, you got uh, Fogarty as well. They're, they're building a team for the future, and it's certainly getting there, that, that, that's for sure. And just, I think, a bit of, I don't know what they need specifically. I think another key defender with Talia looking like he's going to go out of the team could be very useful come next year. If they have one waiting in the wings, that would be good as well.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely see your view. I would, I would probably say, particularly with the GWST listings, I would expect them to really target those D listings Given our uh, uh, Matthew Nicks, their senior coaches, former association with the the Giants, uh, and maybe any of those players who are sort of on the fringe might ask to seek could trade to the close. Yeah, I'm no, just Jeff. putting a couple of, I'm just connecting a few dots. I think. Adelaide, the the Carlton recruiting strategy of really looking at some of those former giant players could actually be a really good, straightforward play for them.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously with that connection, as you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty good and that's it's always good to have that when, when you're when you're looking for new players and you obviously build a good rapport when you're in a club and that's what the AFL is about these days. You you build up good rapports at clubs and you get you get new jobs and and better jobs at different clubs and that's what Matty Nix did with the Giants over the past few years and that certainly might help out, help himself out this year in the the free agency period, so yeah.
0: And moving on to the uh, 17th team, the other team to finish with three wins, North Melbourne. Now, I'm going to admit I got North Melbourne wrong at the start of the year. I was a bit bullish with their chances. May have even talked him up for a sneaky top eight final spot after the first uh, two rounds. And clearly I got caught up in the moment. A bitterly disappointing season for North Melbourne. I, I think in some ways for me it was a season that a bit like the recession that Australia had to have all those years ago in the words of uh, the former Prime Minister Keating, Keating, it was the bad season that North Melbourne needed to have in the sense of Brad Scott addressed all of the predicted this for North Melbourne. He thought, said last year, you either need to sign me up for the long run and let's rebuild to our next team or you need to go with someone else who thinks that they can get this group to finals. And North Melbourne realised that they don't have that group to challenge for the next flag. In saying that, I think there's a lot of talent there that will definitely look... To, other clubs will be looking. I'm looking at the Ben Browns, the Jared Polex the Sean Higgins. There's actually quite a few really good players that I think uh, will be rated. and I, I would expect this to be the start of North Melbourne's time down the bottom. But as far as a letter grade for me and North Melbourne... Is I'm going to give them a, a D. They showed moments of brilliance at the beginning of the year, but fell away particularly after the, uh, the shutdown. So a D for North Melbourne for me. What, what about you, Jake?
1: Yeah, I'm going to tend to agree with you here. I know it doesn't happen too often on, on here, but yeah, with North Melbourne, you, you hit the nail on the head. They, they certainly were disappointing after you talked them up there at the start of the season, they uh, sort of went a bit downhill. They're losing, I think it was their last seven or eight games of the season and ultimately finishing just above Adelaide. If there was another two rounds, I would have suspected them to finish on the bottom. So they're a bit lucky in that aspect, but unfortunately I do see them finishing on the bottom next year as I think a lot of people will. As you said, there, there are a lot of high profile players there that you mentioned that are, that are been told to look for new homes, obviously Ben Brown's a big one there the the key forward Been told to to have a look around and see see which team wants him. Jared Pollock, as you mentioned as well, another high profile player and Sean Higgins as well who's been linked with Geelong so and and those and especially uh, Higgins and Brown have been very key parts in the last last few years. Pollock was just coming along, sort of fell out of form and out of favor this year. With, oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't
0: sure. say he fell out of form I think he just really fell out of favour for. I think the word was A little bit too individual Funnily enough I think in the game that before he got dropped the first time He got coaches votes You would assume that would have been Off the opposition coach which I think was Brendan, oh not Brendan Bolton uh, David Teague
1: Oh well there you go
0: There's a, there's a bit of a blast from the past <laughs> yeah. But yeah If I was North Melbourne, I I think that they should really try and get some value for some of those higher-end picks. So, like, the higher-end players and get some good picks. Um, And I would also see someone like uh, the brothers at Melbourne that are clearly on the outer in Tom and Oscar McDonald. I think they would be good acquisitions for North, particularly with Tom McDonald, that he won't be in North Melbourne's next premiership side. Oscar could. But... It's just a stopgap player for them to kick to up forward. I think he'd be a good acquisition. He's clearly on the outer at Melbourne, and I think he's, they could they could get both those players for maybe almost even a third round pick. Yeah, maybe yeah. a late second round for both of them. With the players that they're they're looking to to let go,
1: there's going to be a lot of a lot of picks as you said there for all North Melbourne, and then that way. That begins. That begins the rebuild, and that's that's something that they they definitely need to take on board now, and they've obviously taken that on, knowing that they're going to be down there for a little bit of
0: time now, and hopefully Ray can, can build that up in terms of and that that is, and that's reaffirmed by North Melbourne uh, confirming uh, earlier the um this week that they do have the intention to trade Ben Brown. It's not just let him look at him and evaluate his options. They've said they want to trade him. Yeah,
1: and look, that's probably the best thing for, for both parties. They, I know Ben Brown got injured maybe five or six rounds left to go in the season, but they were having trouble getting the ball to him. He was getting frustrated. And I think it's just time to move on. They've obviously got the likes of Nick Larky down there, who's a very young Young forward and maybe someone like Tom McDonald, like you just said, could be a good fit down there. You could teach him a couple of things and just sort of build him up as a player and, and make him that key forward that North, that maybe that second forward that they need, and then they go after a big key tall forward in the future. So they could they could certainly learn a few things off Tom McDonald if they were to get get him for sure. But in terms of a grade for North Melbourne, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that one. Um. We're going to give them a D after uh, finishing twelfth last year and now into seventeenth. There, there's the good thing for them though is that there's nowhere to go but up for them. So that's the good thing if you're a North Melbourne fan.
0: Nowhere but up to go. Yeah, and moving on as we cheer, cheer, cheer onto the Sydney Swans. Wow, Matt, that, that's, uh, oh. <laughs> that's that's that horrendous. is shocking. I would. I would like to apologise to all the listeners out there for that shocking remark about the Swans. But it is time for the Sydney Swans. I, 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 I don't know with Sydney. They sort of did what I expected and don't know. They they played some good games. They had a good win um, towards in the back half of the year where they uh, beat Melbourne by 21 points in Cairns, but then had... Losses to uh, Carlton by five points, uh, a decent 32-point loss to Brisbane, and of course that narrow six-point loss to Geelong in the in the last round. I'm I find Sydney hard because they sort of did what I expected, so therefore I feel like that's a pass. So I'm going to give them a C purely because they did what I expected, and yeah, so that's a C for me for Sydney
1: yeah in terms of Sydney, we were all a bit a bit shocked at the start, and then they sort of came good in that middle middle period. They won a few games in that in that middle section of games, which was good for them and then they, they did sort of fall off the pace a little bit towards the end of the season. I thought they may have ended up with a couple more wins than they did, and they probably could have landed a couple more wins, but Unfortunately, they didn't. But a lot of people are very bullish on the Swans for next year. They've certainly got a lot of young guys that are, are looking very good for next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're almost pushing the eight. I wouldn't wouldn't quite put them in that eight. Maybe with a, a fresh buddy. I mean, hey, he's still playing. We all forget that. But with a fresh buddy and a, and, and a couple of key forwards down there, they're, they're, not, they're not such a bad team. They've still got a very good midfield with, Parker, Kennedy, and all those guys in
0: there—they've got the—they've got the nucleus of a good team. They just sort of just need that next wave of players to come through to support those more experienced hands.
1: Yeah, correct, exactly, right. And that's probably why they stri- struggled this year—they they couldn't get a lot of those guys on the park together. So, sixteenth is probably. Probably a bit low for them. I probably would have had them as a better season than the next team we're going to talk about. But I think there's a lot, a lot of upside for them come come next year. I reckon they'll 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 go close to finishing in the eighth, but I don't think they'll quite make it. But like you, I I probably have I'm probably a little bit harsher. I mean, they did finish fifteenth last year. They finished sixteenth this year. So look, it is probably a. a a C minus with the amount of injuries and no buddy obviously makes a, makes a big difference. Everyone thinks it doesn't make too much, but like when you put a, a guy like buddy in that team it makes them a little bit better, it makes them a whole lot better, I should say. So yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm going to give them a C, C mark as well for this season.
0: And as far as for me, with draft and trade, I think I should just, I'm going to go Philadelphia 76ers here and just say, trust the process.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's it. That's, like, that's, I, that's I, what I, have
0: got to do. Like, I just think that that's, that's where they're at. And it gets a little bit more different when we go to our next side, and that's the uh, Hawthorne Footy Club, coached by the, the legendary Alistair Clarkson. To be honest, a bit like Sydney, I sort of knew you thought that they would be in that bottom portion of the ladder. I was, would have probably said more 12th, 11th, 12th, 13th and 15th but in saying that I just don't know, I think Hawthorne Hawthorne need to make have some difficult conversations this offseason some very, very difficult conversations they've very much in recent years recruited for the now with Jager O'Meara, Chad Wingard Tom Mitchell Tom Scully. and I know that they were I, I, I was about to get to Tom Scully and John Patton but with those later picks and hope that they could get their fitness right. They've really recruited for the now and they just haven't got it. So the reason why I say there's some difficult conversations there is, is a Mitchell or a a Jager someone that they might look to trade or might actually want to leave the club because they were not promised, but they said, we're in the window. Want to come on this journey to see us win another premiership? And the, the, the bottom line is Hawthorne haven't done that. They look very, to be honest, I think they're even further away from a premiership than a North Melbourne or an Adelaide because at least those guys are heading or have headed to rock bottom. But they just don't know where to, to go. They're in complete no-man's land. So for, for me, I'm going to give an A to Clarko's press conferences for creating headlines.
1: <laughs> so true
0: but a D to the football club because they just haven't delivered on what they actually, no, I'm can you give an e, a, an e letter grade or does it go to D to F?
1: Yeah. It's straight from D minus to an F there, Matt.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're going to get an F and oh, L... No, just a D minus. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the D minus. Yeah. What about, what, what are your thoughts there, Jake?
1: Look, in terms of where they finished on the ladder, probably a bit lower than where I thought. And that's, I mean, I don't take joy in any team finishing low on the ladder, but there's a little bit of joy in seeing Hawthorne finish that low for me. But I won't Jake, go, I won't go Jake, too into depth on that.
0: Jake, stop smiling. We need to be neutral here. And it is so good. Um, I mean, um, yes, we've got to be neutral here.
1: No, no. But in all seriousness, that you're right. They have, they've had to have some hard conversations already uh, with the likes of Stratton and uh, Paul Puopolo. <laughs> Who are now retired and have been moved on. So they, maybe they've start started to sort of get the idea that it, it's time to try and work their way back up the ladder. They've got a lot of young, good young players, even if they've had to, to bring them over. Like Chad Wingard was very good for them this year in in patches. Jaeger's obviously a star. Uh, James Warple in the middle, he's going to be he's going to be a Jet as well. He won their Best and fairest last year, so there's certainly a lot of bright bright future there in the midfield for Hawthorne and likes of Hardwick and Scrimshaw and Sicily down in the back line. They've, they've got a few pieces there that they can definitely work around to build themselves up. But I think you're right. They have to, they have to work down to then work them their way back up. It's not something that Hawthorne would be used to, but I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of guys like Bruce and, and Burgoyne move on at the end of next year. I still think Gunston is a very, very good
0: forward. Uh, I think he has a few more year, few more years left in him, for sure. He's... Would he be someone that... You, would you have Gunston as someone you would be dangling as a trade prospect?
1: Look, if, if they're
0: looking to head down
1: the ladder this year, then yeah. But certainly by keeping the likes of Bruce Gunston and Burgoyne on for next year, I would say they're not... Looking to finish in that bottom two, bottom bottom of the ladder type type area. They're looking looking to be where they are this year, around that thirteen, fourteen, and and sort of stick around that area. So until they can move away all their, their not not move away all their big guns, but make the average age of their team a bit lower than what it is now and what it is currently, because it is it is on the older side, and it just goes to show that where they finished the younger teams are getting the job done now and it's it's not as much the older teams so in terms of a grade with, with Hawthorne I kind of I kind of have to agree I might give them a little I might be a bit more generous than you with the, with the D minus they did they did finish in ninth last year I know a lot of people didn't expect them to finish 15th as you said I'll probably I'll probably give them a D I'm not going to be too generous but yeah I'll give them a D out of out of the grades, I think that's that's
0: fairly deserving out of, out of this season. Yeah, and next up is the Gold Coast Suns. And for me, I actually feel like they did better than what their five wins and a draw, 14th place season sort of indicated they are. They started strong, which they typically have in recent years, winning early games in the season and then fading away at the end. And you sort of expect that from a young side, so I'm not going to be too harsh on them for that. But I think next year there will be a lot of attention raised if they have these continued second-half season fallouts. Obviously, a lot of positive signs to come. Matty Rao will be great when he returns to the team next year. And another year in Rankin, Anderson and Co. would definitely do that as well. While I think they perform better than what their five wins suggest, I'm going to give them a B. Because mainly because I just love the way they play and they were... Enjoyable to watch. Yeah, no, you're, you're certainly right. They're,
1: they're definitely an exciting team, and especially with guys, new guys coming in that that really did really did help them, albeit not superstars like like what most other teams have. But Hugh Greenwood and Brandon Ellis were pretty huge for them this year. I don't know if they got the numbers or the accolades that other other high profile players got, but they certainly you could see the growth of that midfield as well, and and. Helping Lockie Weller along as well, he's been there a couple of years now. Coming over from Freo for that second pick, that was a bit of a, a wild trade. That one, but he's turning into a good player. I don't know if he'll ever be as good as a, a pick two, but you know he's, he's certainly starting to
0: earn his stripes there. To, to attract to attract players at that time, they had to pay overs to get to get players interested in coming there. He was also on a little bit more money than what most people would have. There was, and that's the same with Brendan Alice as well, but to get people over, you sometimes have to pay more when you're down the bottom, but they're all coming good for Gold Coast at the minute.
1: But yeah, no, definitely. And it's, and and by doing that, it, it gives more, more players a look in and people won't be asking for more money to go over there. It'll just be, no, I want to go and play over there. It's not, it's not purely money at all. It's, I genuinely want to go and play with the Gold Coast. They're going, they're, they're looking good towards the future. I certainly know that um, guys like Jack LaCosia, he, he had a fantastic year this year coming off the half-back line. He moved into a, I don't know if that was his original position coming, coming out of the draft, but he certainly took on that role, especially towards the second half of the year. And he really started killing that averaging between that 17 and 20 possessions per game in shortened games. So you can only imagine what he's going to do next year, which is really good. And you had the likes of the King boy up front and, and Sam Day as well. They both looked very, very good. I don't know if Sam Day has been there for a while, but he's certainly coming in coming into his own now. And they're looking like they've got a, a forward line that's pretty capable in the coming years and a midfield as well. And you, you'll find more players are going to want to be a part of that. And it's, it's, Really good signs. It's positive. I know we say that every year about the Gold Coast Suns, but it's, it is genuinely positive with all the, the players that want to stay there and the good signs that Rao and Anderson have already signed there for a few more years too. So there's definitely some strong signs there and I think they'll be finishing closer than what they did this year to, to the final eight as well. With a grade for them, I, I'll probably give them... They did have one win last year. And they had five this year. I probably give them a B minus for their season. In, in in as a whole, they did fall off towards the end of the year, which which they have done in the past. But I'll, I'll forgive them for that and give them a B minus.
0: Next up is Essendon, which for me you could not be further away from a premiership than if you were Essendon right now in my mind. Many people had them. There's a top eight side at the start of the year. Some even going top four premiership contenders. And they finished 13th with six wins, 10 wins and a draw. And a pretty dismal percentage of 79.2, which the, the teams around them are all in their, in their, the 90s plus, plus, except for Hawthorne, which are two positions below her. But Essendon was shocking. I haven't felt like the club's been much inspiring and then you, you hear of all the players that are wanting to leave. You've got um, uh, McKenna who's already left for retirement you've then got Danaher who, Dana, who has toured Brisbane's facilities you've got Hurley Hooker Mer- uh, I've even heard Merritt's name being thrown up as people that potentially want out as well as Saad I'm going to miss some here who were the others? Uh, who, are, who am I forgetting?
1: I don't know if you're forgetting anyone else in terms of people who want to leave, though.
0: Yeah, but there's a there's a lot of people running for the exits. You see with Essendon, and uh, apart from that fourth quarter aggression against Melbourne on the weekend, they haven't looked good at all. They were a bit flattered by Melbourne, who just failed to take advantage of opportunities. Melbourne could have very easily won that game by 60, 70 points. And a, and a top eight side would have beaten them by 70 to 80 points. Essendon were woeful. So, as, as I said, um, a letter greater than F for me for Essendon. But unfortunately, Essendon fans, I think there's a lot more pain to come moving forward for you guys, which I hate to say because it's not fun being down the bottom.
1: No, certainly not. <laughs> and I know you've been there a little bit too, so... I can uh, certainly feel their pain by what you've told me. With Essendon, for me, it's it's a bit a bit of an up and down, down, down season. They, st- they started off reasonably well, and then they just fell away like like a ton of bricks. They just went from bad to worse. They popped injuries at the worst time. You had guys like Stringer miss a, a big period of time, which then left them with. Jacob Townsend playing as their full forward, and you know, like that's that's never good when you've got no one to kick the ball to. Uh, then they had McGrath as well, future captain in my eyes, go down with an ankle injury, and that that really hurt them. I think with that that one particularly, he's been he's been a shining light in what's been a very poor season for Essendon. And when he went down, they they just lost a bit of the wind out of their sails, and. It just went from bad to worse for them. In, in patches, their defence, their defence was good. In patches, I will say, likes of Hurley and they had a bit of help from from Hooker and and also their their winner of their best and fairest, uh, Ridley, who who's been a breakout star this year for them. And good on him for taking out their best and fairest this year. It's been a great year for him. Every time I watched a game, he was always there because the ball was always in defence. He was taken... Intercept marks, he was taking contested marks and using the ball really well out of the back line. So that's a bit of a positive there for them, but they're certainly, unfortunately, on the way down, in my opinion, as well as Matt. But I don't know if I'm, on my, I'm going to mark them as harsh as what Matt Matt has. They, they did finish with 12 wins last year, obviously different type of season. So you sort of have to mark it a little bit differently, but finishing 13th, it's, I'll probably give him a D plus with that being a little bit generous than, than usual, but that's been very, actually thought, very nice.
0: For me, I actually felt like I was being generous with Essendon giving them only an F. Like I, I actually can't think of a more disappointed side this year. I think they've recruited like other sides for the now and they've got They've got so many problems with their lists. It's just incomplete. Like, why would you delist Miss Brown, for example? I, I still don't get that delisting nearly 12 months later. I think for them, with SNN in the trade, before I can tell you what they need, I need to see who's out the door. And that's... Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you what they need until I know what's, what they're losing. And I think they could be arguably the most under-pressure team in the competition next year, with the exception of the Giants.
1: Yeah, certainly certainly right there. And look, going into next year, they'll certainly want to change a couple more things and hopefully bring in guys, whether it be through the draft or whether it be through free agency, but actually fill the spots that need filling rather than just getting guys because you
0: can. The only player I think I can say now with some sort of certainty that they should recruit is Brayden Pross? I think I said that a few episodes back, and that's and that remains the same now. He's the only player that I would can say right now that Essendon should recruit.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. With Bell Chambers gone, they do have the young kid Draper in, in the wings, though. So they might they might want to use him a little bit, but certainly those two, even in the same team, could be could be a good piece. Using Draper as yeah. second ruckman. And Bruce
0: is the main guy. And moving on up to Fremantle, for me, Justin Longmuir is coach of the year. Just the change that he's made there, I think, has been a really refreshing, good news story. You've seen another year in um, Andrew Brayshaw, you've seen Nat Five doing things that only Nat Five can do. And so many other brilliant things. They, they performed brilliantly with their seven wins and, uh, and ten losses. It took a while for them to get that first win. And if it wasn't for the uh, controversial Carlton game where um, Carlton kicked that goal after the siren to win, it probably would have been in that uh, finals conversation at the end a little bit more.
1: Yeah, certainly. I know. I was, I've been. We've both been pretty bullish on Fremantle over this year and we both think they're going to go very close to that final spot next year in 2021. But you're right, they certainly had a lot of things, have a lot of things to look forward to next year. The rise of Matt Tabern has been really good as a key forward. He's obviously been average at best in the previous years, but he managed to snag. 29 goals in a shortened season, so for Fremantle having an, a key forward is has been very good for them. Uh, Luke Bryan in the in the backline has been magnificent, earning a an AA nomination, obviously in the in the in the forty. So he's he's definitely earned that. And as you said, that five doing what he does best each and every week he plays. And obviously with Sonny Walters, he had a bit of a he had a bit of a rocket start to the year and sort of just fell away a little bit, but he'll be back next year. And he's he's a very good player for them and he'll be very important going forward to the Fremantle Football Club. So, And as you said, they've got a long, lot of young guys there and they've got a guy there who I believe is going to win the Rising Star in Caleb Sorong, just over Noah Anderson, in my opinion. I think he's had a very consistent year, played... Pretty much every game, and he's just been very good across the midfield in that wing position. So, certainly a lot of lo- a lot to look forward to for Fremantle fans in the future. With a grade, they obviously finished in thirteenth position last year. More or less the same this year. Shortened season, they looked really good. I think there's a lot of positives for them. I'm going to give him a B. I'm not going to say it was a, a brilliant year, but there's a lot to look forward to for next year for, for
0: sure. I think I forgot to say my letter grade there, and it is actually an A. I, I just I, I, personally just found Fremantle refreshing. And moving along to Carlton, I, I, I actually find Carlton a really hard to place as a success or not. And I, I've decided that I am going to go with success because they did ultimately improve from last year. Excuse me. But I thought that they would have just been a, a win, one win more. And I know one win is not a huge difference. So they are getting a C- for me. But they need a recruit. I'm just going to go straight into it and just say it. They just need to recruit someone to help share the load with, excuse me, with Paddy Cripps. It's as simple as that. Maybe Ben Brown up forward as well. Because um, I just feel like they, they lack up forward a little bit. But on the whole, I, I do have said it before and I'll say it again, I, I, I really like the list that uh, Carton's developing. And yeah, good on Carton.
1: Yeah, no, there's certainly certainly got a lot a lot to look forward to if you're a Carlton fan. Obviously, Paddy Cripps does it each and every year. But there's another guy in there, Sam Walsh, who, who won best young player this year, so that's another another Colton's award. First... Oh, and that's an award that uh, even Paddy Cripps didn't win. Exactly right. So you can see, see the talent that he's got, and he certainly showed why he was a number one pick, That that's for sure. He's a magnificent player, and I think will be for them in the future. They've got a good young key forward in Harry Mackay, he looked very good. Can clunker mark and kick goal as well, whether it be from a a set shot or a snap, and
0: obviously completely, Jack, I completely, for, I completely forgot about Matt Mackay. They don't need Ben Brown at all because they've also got Charlie Kuno in the uh, the wings. Exactly right. So there's a lot. So of... please, so please, for, please forget the uh, Ben Brown suggestion. Uh, clearly not needed. Just get another big inside mid. That's it. That's
1: exactly right. So and obviously in defence as well, they've got Jacob Weathering, who also. Uh, earned himself an AA top forty nomination, so really that's really good for him. And they've had re resign in the last a uh, day or two, I believe, as well. So he's he's another fantastic player as well. He's been there for a long time now. So there's there's certainly in each section of the ground, they certainly got some really really good players and a lot to look forward to for the future. And if if they get if they keep getting better, I can certainly see them around the mark next year as long as they play some consistent footy. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for them, being a a young up-and-coming team. If they can keep it consistent, if they can do that, they can make it. If they're a bit shaky, they might just miss. So in terms of Carlton, they did finish pretty low last year. They finished in 16th position. So I was pretty surprised by that. And seeing how they've finished now, it's... I'm going to give them a C plus. They had a very, very good season in terms of ladder position, and they're looking looking good towards the future. For me, and so I,
0: I yeah, yeah, and moving on as we say to the other Carlton Football Club, the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Just a bit of a joke there. I think it fell relatively flat. Someone got that out there. I certainly didn't. <laughs> For me, simple. Usually when you see a team have a disappointing grand final like they did, you see them go down the ladder more often than not. Um, and that's exactly what happened. They were a shell of their former self. No one looked, no one looked happy. I think the job cuts in their coaching department hurt quite dramatically. And on top of that, you add in that Matthew Nix, uh, was, um, left as senior assistant. And that was actually a position that they didn't refill. So that's a huge loss there. And uh, for memory, they merged their recruiting and the general manager, which was, uh, Wayne Campbell into one role. So I feel like there were uh, not as many people doing a lot more work this year at Giants and that, that, that showed on the ground, uh, complete lack of connect. A lot of players out of form, uh, including their captain, Caniglio, who, as we all know, got dropped. Not something I would have done. Personally, I wouldn't have dropped my captain, but just disappointing. And I think... I'm going to give them a minus. D-. They're very, very, very lucky not to get an F. But I, I the other thing is... When you look at all the other sporting clubs on it, they've got so many years of history, heritage, and that whole thing of fighting for your jumper. And I just feel like we're nearly 10 years into the uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants. And I just can't, I honestly can't see, pick, find a moment where I can really see that hunger for the club. And I just feel like they just haven't developed as much as a club and made an identity yet. They still seem irrelevant. Who knows, Cameron could leave. Zach Williams is going to Carlton. I just I just think they're they're nowhere and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is just the start of a slide and a huge exodus from uh, lots of a lot of high talented players.
1: Yeah, it does surprise me with the Giants personally. They obviously they had a, a fantastic run as it were last year, making it all the way to the, the grand final. Then to get Pummeled there. I remember watching that. It was an absolute joke. We almost turned it off after even a quarter. What a time! It was almost time. It was almost. It was almost done. And what a time that was, being able to actually hang out with people. But <laughs> hopefully that can happen soon. But yeah, it just surprised me with a the lot—the great young core that they do have. though still. They've got Lockie Whitfield. They've got Caniglio. They've got Hopper. They've got Kelly Perryman. Haynes in the back line, Taranto, Toby Green. I know not, not a lot of people like him, but he's still a fantastic player. I mean, there's so many guys there that can do the job. It's just, what what's the problem? They don't all gel together. I think that, that must be it. It's, or All the big inconsistencies that they do have as, as a team. And I think that's the main thing, that they have had a good run at the end of last year, and maybe that was too early for them to make make a grand final. Maybe they do need to finish in that top four. I think that year of 2016 was that time for them to make the grand final and the Dogs just had that magnificent run and unfortunately they got cleaned up along the way. But now at this point in time, something needs to change. The, the game plan, I think, has gone a bit out the window and it needs to change. Leon Cameron needs to do something about it and he's obviously got a few more years to do that with the new contract that he's got. But in terms of where they're going next year, I'm a bit uncertain.
0: They've, they've had some a... Yeah, I was just going to say, for me, the most telling thing of their entire season was uh, when Brett Deledio uh, made those comments sort of halfway through the season and sort of criticised the players for uh, sort of when the, when, the, when the things got hard, they just reverted to their natural ability and not as a work as a team. To me, that was the most telling part of their season.
1: Yeah, and when you've got ex-players doing that, it's, it doesn't put great light on your club. I know a lot of teams don't really think about that sort of thing, but in a way, they, they definitely would take those words to heart. They wouldn't put it out there, but it, it certainly would affect them a little bit. It's just, yeah, they're a confusing club club for me now. They're sort of... They're a bit like Frio a few years ago. You never knew what Frio was going to do. In, in, in a season. And, and now I feel like the Giants are becoming that team where I don't know whether they're going to finish in the top four, sneak into the eight, maybe finish 13th or 14th. Could be anywhere from season to season now. They've got the team that can finish in the top four. But if they revert back, like, as you said, they, they could finish 12th or 13th as well. So, And if they're going to lose a bunch of players at the end of this season, you just you just never know with them. And I, I'm going to have trouble putting them in my ladder next year, that's for sure. With a grade with them, yeah. I'm I, I'm a bit I'm a bit unsure as to what to give them. They've they've obviously made a grand final last year, and usually when teams get pummeled in a grand final, the next year they don't do as well. And in this case, it was the same thing. They finished in tenth position and now to the final, so it's obviously got to be a bit of a harsh grade. And I'll give them a D plus. There is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, I think, for them. They did almost sneak in. Credit to them, but they did miss the final. So, D-plus for me for the Giants for this year. Hopefully they can improve on that. And moving
0: on to the ninth-place team, and it's my beloved Demons, who finished ninth for the second time in four years, wherein one of those other... In their most recent year, they finished 17th, and the year before that, fourth. For me, Melbourne just were not good enough. They seems better than the sides below them, for the most part, but not not better than the teams above them. They did ultimately beat Collingwood and St Kilda, who were the uh, Collingwood, St Kilda, and they beat one other top eight side, and that, misses um, me, they narrowly lost to Brisbane and Geelong. But just for the most part of the year, they just didn't quite look like a... Finals playing side And I I think back to 2017 When we narrowly missed out On the finals and I went That sucked We should have played finals Like we were were better than a lot of the sides Above us in 2017 But just lost the games we should have won Whereas this year I actually accept Not making finals, we were Just not good enough And Ultimately some Decisions need to be made. Uh, it looks like Tom McDonald and Oscar McDonald will both leave the club. It looks like that we're looking for a little bit more outside run. Uh, the Tomlinson inclusion hasn't quite gone to plan. I think either Polek will come into the side to fulfill that role. And I'm hoping for uh, Ben Brown or Jeremy Cameron to join the side. We're just lacking that forward. I just think we need someone back there to play as the number one forward so they can free Sam Wiedemann up. But yeah, I, I, I like the list. They've got a they've got a really good list. But the other question is who else goes for Melbourne? And I think the Wagner brothers and Kyle Dunkley, who they've delisted this week, are all in the right direction. I just think they need a lip to improve on their kicking. And yeah, I think for me, I'm going to give them a C. They're on the right track. 17th to 19th in a year is typically, if that happened to any other side in the competition, you'd say, wow, that, that, that's a huge improvement. But for me, they just fell short of where they should have. They should have played finals, but they didn't deserve to. I also do want to add, I think Nathan Jones should play on in 2021 with the, Huge reduction into the coaching um, soft cap. I think Melbourne could do with an on-field coach like Nathan Jones. And with $50,000 removed from this um, soft cap for next year because of the recent actions by Harley Bennell and ultimately you could also say Cosby Pickett and Charlie Spargo, who got the initial suspended sentence, he's going to hurt the club a lot. So I think I don't see Benell staying at the moment, given his actions over the weekend. But I'm really impressed with a lot of other players. Luke Jackson looks like he's going to be a star. Cosie Pickett looks like to be the new Cyril Rioli. They've done. They've really recruited well. I, I, I I'm not sure about the recruitment of Tomlinson. Time will tell with that one. But Ed Ed Langdon fourth now, best and fairest, an absolute tremendous year, and Christian Petrarca and Stephen May, by far the best two players of the team this year. And Stephen May very unlucky not to get in the uh, All-Australian 40-man squad. He would have made my All-Australian 22, but surprising that he didn't make it. Over to you, Jay.
1: Yeah, no, you know I have a lot of negative things to say about Melbourne, but I'm not going to do that now. I'm going be, to be nice and neutral for for everyone. No, I, I did think Melbourne actually used their talent a lot this year. I think they, they lived up to to how their players could play. Obviously, last year was a bit of a Bit of a once-off, I think that they, they just struggled to get anything going at the end of last, at, at all last season, which which is why they found themselves in 17th spot. With the talent they have, that they, they certainly definitely need needed to make a, a point and a statement, and they they did that to an extent. Oliver and Petraga had wonderful years. Getting Langdon was was a, a stroke of genius as well. He's been really good for you. And I think he will be. In the future years as well. Yeah, I mean, Gorn as well, you're going to have amazing years. You're going to have good years. <coughs> Gorn's just got to live up to being one of the best ruckmen in the comp every year. And if he's not labelled himself with that, then he's, not going to have, he's going to be judged a little bit harshly. Now, after he's had a couple of amazing seasons, everyone's going to think he's going to need to be at that level for the next few years, especially if Melbourne want to get higher as well. So he needs to get back up to that, that really high, high standard that he set over the last two years. Not to say he had a terrible season, but he certainly needs to be, I think he needs to be Melbourne's best player along with Petrarca.
0: The other thing just before we finish uh, with Melbourne is I just think that they need to go to that game plan they had at the start of 2018 and take the game on more. I think Mel- when Melbourne plays at their best, they take the game on.
1: Yeah, certainly. And in terms of grade for them, as you said, I think it's, it's, it's probably fair enough to give them a C. I'm going to give them a C. As you said, it's a bit different with a team finishing 17th tonight, as you said, but they just didn't use their talent last year. And, and this year everyone came together and they got there was a they had some very good games this year and pushed some very good sides to some very close games. So in the future years you can definitely see them making that that top eight pushing for top four as well. It's certainly with the likes of Petrarca and Oliver getting better as well and the defence of Lever and May getting even stronger next year as well. As you said, they just need that key forward and I think that number one key forward is the most important thing of getting Brown or either Cameron. So as you said, Wiedemann can be freed up and not taking that number one defender each and every week. And that'll only improve his game and make him better, a better player and make Melbourne a better club. So if you can land one of those, I think it'll be very, very good for the Ds coming up in 2021.
0: And they've got a lot of players out of contract. Uh, Jade Hunt, the full goal expert in the last game as well as quite a few other players. It'll be a very interesting few weeks for Melbourne to see who they keep and who moves on. So thanks once again for listening to the show and as always, we'll catch you on the next.